Hi, I'm Alex. Hi, I'm Caitlin Pingrezzi. And this is When I Grow Up. Caitlin. Alex. Really appreciate you coming out here. Absolutely. Seriously. Um, it was probably about an hour drive for you. Mm, 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 yeah. minutes. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day, your very busy schedule, to come drive out to me and do this. And it's been a long time since we've seen each other, so that's nice. I know. It is so nice. Mm-hmm. Good to see your beautiful house. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And I get to see your beautiful face. Win-win. <laughs> 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 yeah, the win-win. <laughs> uh, well, and we kind of briefly touched on it earlier when you first got here, but um, do you remember how we originally met? We met at... A networking event for sure and it was um I want to say it was like network after work or something wasn't it so I think you might be right but what I kind of have memory of is you actually met my good friend Renee yes at a networking event well, you guys which worked for pro signs or something for Signorama yeah Signorama oh no it was you guys um she came to um we used to run Royal Oak Ambitious Millennials. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and then I actually I think that she had connected me with you originally, not even for networking purposes, but originally because I needed that spray tan. And you yes. were doing that out of your house at the yep. time. And so I came and got a spray tan from you, and then our networking connections kind of blossomed from there. Yes, and I started Omni, and you started coming to that a little bit. You started yeah. a new job. And do you still do Omni? I don't, but I am going to relaunch it. It's going to be have a new name. And we're probably going to do it in the next 60 days. Oh, We're going to have a little nice. bit more parameters around it. Just, um, like, we're probably going to have people pay a little bit to do it just because people weren't, like, consistent because it was free. Yeah. And then um, you're going to have to be in your business for, like, a few years. So, like, you know, you can't just come tomorrow if you just decide to get your real estate license and you haven't sold a house. Like, you have to have a little bit of experience under your belt. Find somebody who's, like, passionate about a lot of things but, like, really good at one thing, you know? To add to the group. Yeah. Um, I'm all about people finding their path, which I think is great for this podcast. You know, like I think I, I wanted to be what my dad was when I grew up and then I wanted, and then I ended up being what my mom was when she grew up. So I, I don't think I look too far outside of like the path in my household. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if like looking into it more now, if I really had another path that was more destined for me, just because I think real estate's really aligned with me, but um, you know, I don't think that I got a very good glimpse of like what anything really looked like in high school for sure. And even the first couple years of college, unless yeah. you have like internships available to you. And then even then you're in one place for like the whole summer. And that's not really a good like broad spectrum of like what's available. No. And it's really overly simple, but the, the phrase, you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. is very, very accurate. How can anybody possibly know what they want to do in life if they've experienced two things? Right. For a high school kid to go off to college and be forced to not pick a job, but to pick a general path. How do you even pick a general path? Yeah, like and you by can't why, possibly know. Right. And while paying for yeah. it yeah. very and heavily. Pay. And then being like, oh, I can't do this anymore. It's just not really for me. And then being like, oh, I have to switch, but that's going to cost me like another year of tuition. And that's really costly these days. It's, like big, it's, it's not a big mistake. It's just a big diversion, you yeah. know, from what you originally planned. And I think that's really hard for people with how expensive school is. So they normally just stay the path that might not be right for them. It mm-hmm. takes a lot to be like, hey, mom and dad, actually, I need to do this for one more year because I didn't go down the path that I really liked. And, and it's hope not, they support you. And it's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. I'm a perfect example. I got a degree in something that I really thought I was passionate in, that I thought it was going to be super a super fun career path for me. And I got into it and I realized that I didn't like any of the people that I had to work with. So I got out of it almost immediately. And then I kind of tried to get back in and then I realized, oh, I remember why I got out of it in the first place and I got myself back out. Right? It's it's funny how the path will lead you, but I mean, being in sales and marketing, that was my major. It was like, the world is your oyster. Like, mm-hmm. what business doesn't revolve around sales? Yeah. There will always be some type of element of sales in almost any industry. So, like, it was like you could just pick. But, like, there's a lot of bad sales jobs. Like, really bad sales jobs. Like, it was just telling. we I was in, a like, a masterminds this afternoon. And uh, we were talking about cold calling. And I just remember being like, what is that? When I got out of college and I got this job where I had to go door to door, 50 doors a day and cold call. 50. 50 doors a day. And every day of my life, I was either drinking or doing something to just like 
numb myself from how terrible that job was. And, you know, after crying and crying and being like, this is not what I thought I was signing up for when I got out of college. You do those grunt work jobs just to kind of find your path. But like five, I, I was there eight months, which was like eternity. It's because people would see it on my resume on LinkedIn and they would hit me up because they knew I had great sales training. They knew I'd survived. It is rough. Like people called the cops on me and threw stuff at me. Oh my Girls God. were so mean to me. It was so, it was, it was definitely a lesson learned. And then I knew going forward, like whenever anybody would talk to me about a sales job, I'm like, if it involves some level of cold calling, like I'm fine with that, but I'm not doing that again. If you can be any type of successful or successful at mm-hmm. cold calling, that is a skill that most people do not possess. I actually were dealing with that right now at our company. I never had a job where I was just handed a book of business until this job. And so I just got really good at it. Yeah. It's just skill. like, this is my job now. Wait, I used to do what? Yeah. And this is now what I get to do. It happened to me in the logistics world. Like I used to do, I went from co- cold calling 50 doors a day to getting a cushy, like adult, like all the people on my sales team were like, 45 plus been there forever. I'm like, I only knew sales teams where people were turning over all the time because the mm-hmm. sales were so aggressive. Yep. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you can like lifelong in this job. Like this is crazy. And we would have to make five calls a day, go on a lunch. And that was our day. Oh, that sounds easy. She. <laughs> and I got a huge she. book of business and I would have to f- put out flyers all day, you know, cause it was logistics and things yeah. drop, they yep. get lost and all this stuff. But it was like, this is, this is way more attainable. Mm-hmm. You know, like those, those, don't have the cops called on you. There's a reason they only give them to the 22 year olds because like it's it's impossible. Well, and you have to, to learn. That. I you know I've taught I've interviewed some other people where we talk about you don't just snap your fingers, walk out of those college doors, and find yourself in like your dream job. Like, unfortunately for all of us, you have to start somewhere, and yeah. you cannot be successful in any higher level position without doing those jobs. Right. It teaches you a lot. Oh, so much. And you build so much character and skill set. And mm-hmm. there's like, I mean, what I learned in that job was immeasurable, yeah. even though I hated every second of it that I was in it. But it built my character. It toughened my skin. Yes. I don't think I'd really had that many people be mean to me my whole life until I had that job. And then I was like, people are mean. Yeah. Real mean. And like it took it. I took it very personally. Yeah. And I noticed that the people that do best in sales and that's like real estate, any sales, right? is the ones that can just handle rejection in such a way that they're just like, either they have inflated humongous egos that they don't care if they get rejected or they just can walk in the next door with almost being completely unaffected by what that last door did to them. And I just didn't have that skill then. I, I view like, I've it, developed it over time. I view it as a challenge. Yeah. I'm like, somebody's going to like me today. Someone yeah. has to, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, I just slowly work on people. I think they say it takes minimum of seven touch points to make a sale. Yeah. One guy not too long ago said to me, he was like, well, you've been cold calling on me for a year. I feel like at this point, I at least owe you one thing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You just got to work them down. For sure. People (laughs) think, I mean, it's just, you know, you show up and they're like, this person's obnoxious. And I think I probably need to give them a chance. Yep. Because if they work this hard for their company, they're probably going to do really well for me. And obnoxious is the right word because I it's do tenacity. View, it's yeah. all the things. I do view myself as obnoxious and I'll call it out to him like, listen, I know I'm like being super annoying and I'm going to be annoying until you give me five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and most people are like either super impressed with it. Yeah. Right. And, yep. they're, and they're like taken back. Like I would never do this or mm-hmm. I could never do this. You know, like I would tell my friends what I was doing in my sales jobs and they're like, like, they wanted to die, like, right then and there. Like, what do you do? Who do you talk to? Like, I have stories for days about that. We don't have to get into it. But it's a, being in sales is a skill, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you are given the gift of your mouth and the fact that you can talk and relate with people. And, like, you know, people are always like, you know, like my husband, he's a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. If he had to do my job one day ever, he would just he would crawl into a hole and go into the corner because it's just completely opposite of who he is as a person. And I think some people look at us and they're like, you guys are crazy, but like, you can make so much money in sales. It's You don't need a degree. Yeah. You're just given these different skill sets that like allow you to progress yourself in life. And one of them is just being able to relate and talk to people like, mm-hmm. and they like, like you and they want to buy from you. Yep. Right. And, and that like with real estate has been like big because I don't really sell I sell houses, right? But like, I really don't sell houses. I show you houses and you buy houses. I sell you me to work with, right? So like the sales pitch is more like, why do you want to come work with me? And like, 
why is this house going to make sense for you? I'm not gonna, I'm never going to sell you a house that doesn't make sense for you. So right, because like, that's not going to benefit you and right. make you look good at the end of the right. day. Right, <laughs> but in sales, like your job, like is to sell somebody your product, right? Mm-hmm. My product is me. My product isn't a sale. It's not a house. So I feel like now it's tweaked itself over time where I'm like selling myself more than I'm selling like the actual physical thing that you're buying, right? Yeah. So it's been um, over time. I feel like it's gotten me more to like like branding and like making sure I'm on point with all the things that like I present myself as because that's going to bring naturally the clients I want to work with. Sure. And, you know, we all have clients we don't want to work with that. Oh, yeah. Not every customer is a good customer. No, for sure. said that before and I'll say it again. Yeah. (laughs) Through, obviously, we've divulged that you're in real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of want to go through the path and which led you there. But where I'd like to start is when you were little Mm -hmm. and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but tell us what you wanted to be when you grew up. Okay. Well, when I was in grade school, I really wanted to be a doctor. An, ER, an emergency room doctor. Oh, that's specific, the, huh? You, I don't know how old you are, and I don't know if your parents ever made you watch ER, but it, George Clooney, yes. Julia Margolis. We, we watched. It was it was the, the show of shows. It, it was, was the first, I think, well, maybe not the first, but one of the main like hospital shows, like yes. before Grey's Anatomy. And so I just was like so fascinated with it, and I love taking care of people, and then I really quickly like learned probably in like 7th and 8th grade, like math is 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 okay but science was a real hold up for me so i was like all right this path might not be for me and then i started i saw my parents they were entrepreneurs my mom's a real estate um she owns her own she's in real estate she owns her own brokerage my dad's a financial planner my dad was also a politician so for a long time yeah my dad was a politician for most of my childhood um he worked in lansing for um you know six years he ran his term as like a state led state um representative he was a county commissioner for a while so I thought that that was what I wanted to do. Well, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, he took me to the parades and the parties and all that fun stuff. We campaigned. We had a lot of fun. And, you know, I got to follow. I just, me and my dad have, like, such a strong relationship, um, and especially growing up, that I just thought it would be really interesting to go down that path. It's not your all-in path, though. People normally are lawyers and other things with it, you know, sure. just because if you don't get elected, you need a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I started to explore, like, in high school. He took me to the state all the time to, to see what everybody was doing. He actually served in office with Kwame Kilpatrick. We went oh. to Mackinac Island with that man and oh his family. Gosh. Yeah, super kind when I met him. Super, super nice. Very encapsulated. Like, Isn't it interesting when you can meet someone and then you learn something years later and you're like, <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. And then 10 years later, he's like, you know, being indicted. Um, yeah. You know, at the time, it was like meeting all these who's who's. And I just like loved being in that mix. And, you know, the fact that they're making laws and making like real impact. And, you know, honestly, their schedules weren't that bad. And so I was like, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll be a lobbyist. And was it in high school that you started this yeah. thinking that? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I never wanted to do what my mom did. I always went with take your dad to work day or take your child to work day with my dad. Yeah. Okay. So he took me to either, you know, financial planning or he took me to his political job. Um, and it was great. I mean, I got to like open up for the state, you know, house, like ring the bell or whatever in the mm-hmm. beginning of it. And it was just really neat. And being in with all of the people that are making real change in the world, I thought that was really neat. So I kind of went down that path. And then I went to college and I got a, a, um, a sales and business marketing degree with a minor in finance, which was my, more my dad's path, which was he was a financial planner. And then I went out to Colorado to work in finance. And I was like, I don't like this. This kind of This is kind of boring. <laughs> this is a little boring. This is not so, for me, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I was just... I was just having fun in the mountains and I just, it was, it's so serious. And I just was like, not on that path yet to like be all serious in finance. I, I, I had fun with it for the amount of time I was in it. And then I was ready to switch it up. So I actually went into event planning. Well, how, so how long did you, were you in Colorado for doing that? Three and a half years. I was okay. only doing finance for a year. It was 2008. It was the midst of the recession. Um, you know, I was an intern and to move up, you had to pass all these tests. And I just like what my heart wasn't in it. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't aligning with me. So I ended up doing what I used to love to do, which is plan events. So I went into uh, planning events and then I went into logistics. So I kind of bounced around a little bit in my twenties because. Do you know that the event planning industry, that's the industry that I hated and got out of? Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't love it that much either. It was fun. So it really, I think it depends on the job. I worked in a restaurant. And I had a really intense boss. He was like Colombian or I don't know. He was just like five foot nothing. He walked around like Napoleon all day. And I, 
I don't do well with that type of like male dominance structure. Yeah. So I was like, well, you're a strong, independent yeah, woman. So and he hated me and wanted to belittle me all the time. So I was like, all right, this isn't for me. So I don't know. I think like your path in your twenties is like, wh- what's going to work for me? What's going to fit? And like, figuring it's so out nice. what you don't like right. is important. Very, very fast. And, and I did something that they now like recommend to people, which is I switched jobs kind of like every two years and it allowed me to get a nice pay bump every time too. So by the time I was in my late twenties, I was worked my way into like, you know, six figures and it was because I had moved and had success in the jobs, but mm-hmm. I had left kind of when I was like, eh, it's not really like sticking. Not loving it. Well, I just always knew I wanted to work for myself. Yeah. Like I just, it was in my heart that like, you know, having a boss is fine, but like knowing that I, I wanted to be more independent in like the way I ran my day. And you knew you had to take some stepping stones to get there. Again, right. you don't just snap your fingers right. and wake up and become the thing that you want to become. Yes. And I, now looking back, I wish that my mom would have just been like, go get your real estate license. Cause like, and but would you have listened to her? I don't, I, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, that's a questionable one, but I think at the time I was just, I was trying to live my twenties out and like, you know, with that came work, you know, you had to like support yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived in other States. So like, it's not like I was riding my parents coattails anymore. I like had to fully support myself. And so I, you know, ended up getting this great job with awesome managers. I worked in logistics and what I realized is how much I love business and, you know, working in logistics, you're basically, I would go into like 30 to 40 accounts every week. And I was part of their, you know, supply chain, kind of like how you work with people that you sell your business your, your product too, mm-hmm. that then sells their product also, also to people. Yeah. So like you get to be a part of like, what's working here? What's not working here? Like, how does this person run their business? And it gave me such a good business acumen that I felt like I could probably go do anything after this because yeah. I get offered jobs in the field, you know, I'm sure you get that too. Yes. And then I would, you know, spend a little bit more time in the business. I'm like, ah, I don't think this is for me. I like kind of being like in it, but like slightly removed. Yes. Slightly removed. Because then it's still your own thing. And then, you know, you bounce around and it's, you know, for my ADD, it's perfect. So I did that for quite a while. And then I moved home and then it was like, okay, I'm about to have, you know, I'm settling down, getting married. It's time to figure out like what's going to work for me long-term flexibility wise. Mm -hmm. And my husband's like, why don't you get your real estate license? And I mean, this is like when I was 30. So my whole twenties was kind of bouncing around you know, stayed in logistics, went, moved to Chicago for two years, did a little recruiting, stayed in logistics, like all over the place. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm tired. Like, I just want to like find my place in yeah. this world of working. Because bopping around, there's a lot of pros, right? It gets you more money. Yeah. It teaches you a lot of things. You get to become versatile, but it can become very exhausting. Very exhausting to start over all the time. Yeah. Is starting over is a lot. Yeah. I needed to like root myself. So I moved home. Um, my brother like had me work in lending for a little bit because he was starting a new um, company here. Oh, so your brother's in real estate too? Yeah, he works in, he's in mortgage. And was he always in? Always. Since he was 21, my mom got him a job right out of college and he still is. He's 45, 46 and he's still doing mortgages. So mortgages, again, it kind of went back to that financing. You're behind a computer, you're plugging numbers all day. I mean, there's some sales aspect of it, but it was just not for me. Yeah. And um, working with him was kind of interesting just you know the brother sister dynamic I was just like I don't know about this oh my gosh I could never yeah I was, love you Max but I could yeah never. It, it had its days <laughs> like you know having lunch with him and stuff was cool but like the day-to-day I was like oh gosh this is, this is a lot so um so then I went back into logistics because I was worried that I wasn't going to make any money because mm-hmm. like at that time like everybody had bankruptcies and foreclosures on their credit credit scores so like it was hard to get business going in lending yeah so what year time frame would that have been I would have been um 2013 Okay. Yeah. So I went it back. was still a little rough. It had, didn't start to really pick back up until like 2014, 2015. Right. It was like just on the up and he was working from California basically in Michigan. So he wasn't really very well versed in the local dynamic and Detroit was still just recovering really. So I actually skipped out for the big girl job and I went I worked for a large a logistics trucking company out of Ann Arbor called Conway Freight. It was a great job. We had, I had so much fun at the job. We had tickets to everything. We had suites to everything, VIP to everything. I had big Yeah, accounts. logistics can be a very fun industry. It was fun. It was fun. But again, I was like about to get married and I wanted something that was going to be more stable long-term for having a family. Mm-hmm. And so then my, my husband's like, well, we got bought by this other company that kind of destroyed our job a little bit. It just wasn't the same. And he's like, go get your real estate license. Like you would be so, so perfectly fit for that. And I never really thought about it. I don't know why I never thought about it. I mean, I was going to open houses with my mom. It's like 
you know, when I was five and six years yeah. old and at the closing table all the time. And like, it just didn't click for me for some reason. And then I went and got my license and like for, I, my, no joke, I got my license on a Tuesday. My girlfriend called me Tuesday night when I was celebrating and she's like, I want to sell my house and I want to buy this house. Oh my and gosh, I was like, perfect. I clicked. Thank I was you. like, that's a sign, right? Like yeah. that's such a sign. And it was Things like, just falling into place. Right. And she was like, She's still to this day, you know, I've been doing it eight years. She's still my biggest advocate, has sent me the most business. So, like, it just was one of those things that just got the ball rolling for me. Yeah. And it just felt, like, really comfortable to, you know, it took me about a year to quit my job. Well, just, that's what I wanted to ask you. So, from the time that your husband said, Caitlin, girl, yeah, why don't you just get your real estate license? Like, from the time in which he said that and you going and getting your license, what was the time frame? Um... I got, I, I, I think he said that to me in like October. We got married in December. I had classes signed up in January. I got my license in April. So you made some moves pretty Yeah, quick. I made some moves. I was, yeah. I was like motivated. And I, and then I, I did it for a year while I was working at the other job. And then I quit that job once I got like seven, eight sales under my belt. I joined a team. Um, I, I got paired up with one of the best brokerages in town, Max Brook, Birmingham. And, um, that just really launched my career. Like it just, I worked with a woman who was really savvy. She's been in the business 16 years. She like, it's kind of like, I'd recommend to anybody, you know, if you're going to be a realtor, like go work on a team for a little bit. Cause you don't know anything after you get out, you know, not to be uh, discriminatory and you know how to maybe calculate a mortgage. And that's probably about it. Like the rest of it is all coming through hands-on interactions with people and experience. And yeah. So, um, she taught me about like all the contracts and making sure I, you know, cross my T's and dot my I's and, how to present myself and getting me in front of like big, like I, I think my first house I sold with her was like $600,000. To hear you say that your first house was a $600,000 sale. That's, I mean, that's huge. It, it was, it was big. My first sale with her was that, and she just kind of brought me, you know, she takes you under your wing and they just, I, and I do it now because I have a team, right? Like I mentor people, mm -hmm. but like I really recommend to people if you're going to get in the business, do, do a team for like a year. It's like getting your master's and or even getting your undergrad in it. Sure. Yeah. How did you get connected with this woman? Was this a connection that your mom had made? Or no. were you just like totally on your own? Like, mom, I got this. I don't need your yeah. I need help here. Oh, I needed my mom's help. Yeah. I called her all day, every day. She was my broker without being paid for it, unfortunately. I'm um, sure she was happy to do it Yeah, for you. <laughs> she was. She sees a success and she's like, oh, you know, it's because of me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but she and I have very different businesses. So I was living in Oakland County and she lives down river where I grew up. Mm. She doesn't live there anymore, but that's where her business is. And um, she built her business there. You know, her and my dad have this little plaza where my dad's a financial planner on one side. She's the broker on the other side. Love that. And they, you know, pass business to each other. And yeah. it makes, you know, makes sense. So she's like, I don't have all these tools, bells and whistles and, you know, things that I can, like, give you. You know, they have a small mom and pop, like, very experienced agents. She doesn't really take on anybody new. And I'm like, I'm, I think I'm going to do this thing in Oakland County. And that's why I started going to all the networking events. Because I really wasn't from there. I didn't really know anybody. And I've been gone for six years, seven years. And this industry is an industry where you, you it's word know. of mouth. You got to mm -hmm. know people. If you don't have people referring you, then it can, it can be a big challenge. Huge challenge. So if you have a good network or if you can establish a good network, I would say that my biggest successes with kind of launching myself was A, joining a team, B, getting with the right brokerage and C, networking a ton. Zillow was a little cheaper back in the day to pay for those leads. So I invested in that. I took a small business loan out and I just threw it all on black basically. And I just put it all into one zip code in Royal Oak. And it really, it wow. really grew me in like a very short amount of time. I had tons of buyers. I had all, I mean, I just had a lot of things moving in the air. Do you feel comfortable sharing how much you invested in Zillow? Well, it was at the time I, I think I started in January of 2000. Um, I was still working at my other job. I think it was like 2000. 14 and I, I spent like I think it was like $2,500 a month that's not cheap no it's not cheap and wow. that same zip code for one lead a month is like five grand now I kept <sighs> dipping out of Zillow when I got pregnant because I would show up to see strangers like seven eight months pregnant and they're like are you gonna have a baby today like and so it was just a very I, I wish I could have kept Zillow going because I think it would have been long term like a good investment but Zillow's like it's like gambling, you know, one month you get something good, next month you get something bad and you're dealing with strangers. And so sometimes strangers don't trust you and you're spinning your wheels. Right. And mm -hmm. so I just, um, that's how I, I launched my business. That's what gave me success kind of like within the first 18 months to be able to kind of launch myself moving forward. I want to touch on it. 
a little bit um, because you've mentioned working with strangers and just like you're a stranger to them and they may not trust you, they are also strangers to you and you should not necessarily trust them. And I think there is a real security measure in real estate. I mean, you're a woman Mm -hmm. by yourself having these open houses and strangers coming and going or you meet someone to show a house and you're alone they're alone I mean do you guys learn in your industry do they talk about safety is that is that a huge topic of discussion yeah I mean most people are run-of-the-mill normal people they're not trying to hurt anybody sure yeah for sure like the random guy (laughs) I had a girl on my team um Grace I love her um she I gave her one of the leads and I was like listen this guy sounds sus like very sus like I will meet you with this person at this place if he wants to meet. And lo and behold, she she got she got somebody in her office because I was busy when she wanted to meet him. And she she went and met him. She showed him the house. She took a guy with her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she looked him up and he definitely like had some like terrible things on his record. He didn't do anything weird with her, but he just was like Well, really, because there was a guy with her. Right, right, right. Oh my gosh, scary. But, yeah, this is happens. why I asked this question yeah, because this happens. has got to happen. Yeah. It's not often, but you know, there has been a lot of violence towards realtors over the years and just it's just random. It's not like I don't think it's ever like deliberately like because of this one person, it's just like they'll walk into an open house looking to do something bad for a day. And yeah, it's there's a risk there. But we all try to, you know, there's Google and LinkedIn and all the places now. And most of the areas that we're working in, people are professional and have those types of things. So yeah, we try to we try to be good about that. I don't work as, as many strangers anymore, but mm-hmm. you know, before it was like share my location and this is who I'm meeting and especially with Zillow. Your title by all technicality is real estate agent. Yeah, soon to be broker, hopefully in the next couple of months. Okay, explain that to me. Um, so you can get your broker's license um, after you've been in the business for, I believe it's three years or had 18 sales under your belt. So I'm a little late to the game. I was going to say, I, I also had two like... babies in the process. So <laughs> it wasn't really top priority because, I mean, I'm not trying to start my own brokerage today. Like, sure. I, I run a team and I want to have the experience and, like, you know, I want to have that knowledge and be able to advertise it. But it's really only beneficial, truly, if. Um, if you want to start your own brokerage and I'm really not in a place to do that in my life right now. Um, maybe one day. Um, but right now it's just, it's just more for the title. Hmm. Okay. Team lead, team leader of the KP collective and then broker will hopefully be in April. Exciting. Yeah. It's very exciting. So you went and worked under this woman that you mentioned that taught you a ton about the industry, helped Mm -hmm. you get some good sales under your belt, start making some money. Um, how long did you work for her or directly for her? One year. Mm -hmm. Um, do you kind of remember if we don't have to talk about specific numbers, but like roughly were you in that like zero to $50,000 range, 50 to a hundred? Were you making more than that? Do you kind of remember? My, the first year I didn't get on a team until after I quit my job. My, my sales job. Um, so that first year in real estate, I think I want to, I say, I think I made like $60,000 wow. while working with the other job. And then when I worked with her, I, I want to say I made about a hundred that first year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I hustled. It was a lot of motivation, not only to make money, but just to like, you know, when I bounced around in my twenties, I just had to prove it to myself that I could like do something, stick with it, like it you know, thrive in it. And so I was just like, I had some fire under my butt, like to just make it work. And so I would say that I was probably more motivated than, you know, the average person, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of grinders in this business. So I think I probably fall somewhere in the like uh, out of a hundred, like I'm in the seventy-five to eighty-five percent range. Sure, you know, there's always someone all day. I'm not doing that. Like I'll do the things that work for me, but I'm not going to kill myself over it. And I did for a bit, but. Yeah, no, I, I made I made six figures that first full year. Um, and again, I think that had to do with the fact that I was networking a ton. Mm-hmm. I did the Zillow. I, you know, I had a little leads coming in for my team. And I just, um, I didn't have any kids at the time. So I could just work all the time. It was just, and I just wasn't sick of it. So like I was doing it like constantly. I thought it was so exciting. It. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and you could do so much in this business, which is something that I feel like needs to be said is that like, you can go about your business. We could all like we could put twenty realtors in a room. We might completely have different businesses and how they're ran and who we go after. And you know, some people like working with investors. 
Some people want to go into commercial. Some people want to work with just first-time homebuyers. Some people want to work in luxury. Like you could just, you can make it whatever you want. You could, you could work just um, sheriff sales and like get foreclosures and fix and flip things. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of endless, you know? And that's uh, also like, it's, I think it's great because um, you can, kind of transform over the years what really works. You could try this, you could try that. And that's one thing I feel like I definitely still do to this day is I try a lot of different paths mm-hmm. to see like if any of those stick. Have you kind of figured out yet what you what your preference is in regards to, obviously I don't think you're doing any commercial stuff, right? No, I have like a couple under my belt. Um, we might be having one soon, but like it really is a different animal. Um, and... I, I wish that I liked it more because it's really more like Monday through Friday, mm. which is nice. And yeah, the people buying houses, they need to do that on the weekends, weekends because we work during the week. Right. And weeknights. And so I wish it was more something I would have explored. It's really pretty male dom- dominated still. Um, but I, it just, it takes a lot of the heart out of the process. You know, it's more of a business transaction, right. which can be a good thing and a bad thing. Sure. Depending on your personal preference. Right. Like I'm in sure. a market like now, I wouldn't mind being in commercial because it's really gut-wrenching out there with, for these buyers, like trying to get them a house in this market is, you know, when you get a leg up, it's like, yes, like we won, you know, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a hurdle, I think in this process because people are a attached to their money and they don't want to spend a ton of all of their money on a house. And, and right now, like some of the markets kind of forcing them to go there. And it's just hard to, I feel like to tell somebody you didn't get your offer accepted. I know you went through this process where you had a lot of offers not accepted. So you could probably feel me on that, that like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news all the time. Yeah. And in a commercial deal, they're like, on to the next one. Some people, that's where they're going to live the rest of their lives. Right. I mean, most people in Michigan probably only buy like once or twice on average. Interesting. So are there states where there's more, more transition? Tra- yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like California, Florida. Okay, California makes sense because that's kind of like a mishmash hub, right? Like people are, most people in California are not from California, right? Yeah, they come in and out. But Michigan, we tend to be more like we're from here, we stay here. We're here. Interesting. We root. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So unless you're like moving across state or get a big job and make a bunch of money, like you're probably chilling. And that's what, um, we have a lot of inventory issues here locally that I think like a lot of the country doesn't have as bad. Because we don't build a ton here. We don't have, there were some things that happened during the recession. I actually talked about it on my um, chat with Amy that I was telling you about. Like we lost a lot of contractors in the recession because um, our real estate market was just absolute. Well, in Michigan, being the automotive state, I mean, we took a big hit. Real hit. Oh, we took a a hard hit. And you could go live in a warmer state and get more consistent business. Mm -hmm. And so we lost a lot of like, you know, those special hands that we need to like do the things that we need to do. And we just don't have a ton of land. Like we're out here, you see a little bit more land, but like, in yeah, out county, here in the like <laughs> you're looking for, you're going to find like one little plot that's allowing you like one or two houses. Like it's not, it's just not enough to expand in the ways that we need it for the buyer market. And so either the boomers have to go on to their next path, which is maybe a smaller house um, or, you know, give them some type of housing to go to because they're holding up a lot of the inventory. They're still in the colonials they bought in the eighties. That they raise their kids in. And These boomers, man. Man, the boomers, are, they gotta go. They got, they got to go. They got to go. <laughs> we love you, boomers. Yeah, right? <laughs> but you gotta get, get out of your house. You're on your fortune, boomers, but get out of the house. <laughs> Put you in a home. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Gosh, that's so interesting. I, I hadn't really ever thought about that or realized that. People move on average about every seven to eight years, but I think we're the exception here. I think it's probably every like 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's shocking. Yeah. Wow. And what recently people are doing because the interest rates have, were so low is they're keeping their first house and they're just buying their second house and they're renting it, which is also causing a lot of inventory issues. So all in all, it's, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle here locally. It will get better eventually, but um, it's really, it's, it's really interesting to me to kind of try to adjust to the markets. I love to be adaptable. So like the markets are going to change regardless, you know, it's going to be, an you have path. to be adaptable. You have to be adaptable. It's the one thing in this business that I'd say, if you have to have a skill set, it's that because people are funky in their personal per- decision-making, yeah. right? Like it's not like you're spending all somebody else's money. You're spending your money. That, you know, there's just things at stake that like, you're just, you, it, it's, it's gotten me to understand like my mom has a social work degree and it is like the best degree you could have to be a realtor 
psychology or social work because most people that are when they're making personal decisions it is all like a psych- psychological like download of like everything that's ever happened in their life and then they're making that big decision it's the biggest decision you make other yeah. than like probably who you marry well since you mentioned it um i think i know the answer but i do want to ask is real estate something you can get into without a degree for sure you could if you have a hustle mentality and you know how to talk to people you absolutely do not need a degree what a degree is helpful for is if you really well network yourself at college, your friends mm-hmm. will buy from you, mm. right? But your friends from high school, if you stay close with them and you're in the general area, like they're probably still going to buy from you. Yeah. It is a little harder to get yourself going at that age because none of your friends are buying anything, but hopefully get an uncle or an aunt or somebody that's like willing to give you a, throw you a bone. Or join a networking group. Right. Join a networking group. Network yourself. Network Join here. a team. I have Casey on my team. She's um, 22. And, you know, she does a lot of our just, like, inspections. And, you know, she works with a lot of our our first-time home buyers. She gets in a lot of doors. So you can find a place in the industry and you do not need a degree. No. I think that home buying is very scary for so many reasons. My question is... Do you or have you worked with a lot of first-time home buyers? Mm-hmm. And what is that? How do you work with a new time, a first-time buyer? What does the process process look like compared to someone who's done it three times in their life? Um, surprisingly, people don't do it consistently. Like if they're not doing it like back to back or like within a few years, like they forget the process all over again. Sure. But First-time home buyers, you need to sit them down. This is your costs involved. These are where, this is what is realistic for your budget. What do you like in a house? What are you willing to give on? Just like making sure you understand that you, you know, you're buying your first house. You're not buying your forever home. Could you buy something? I try to tell them like, could you buy something that needs some work and you can build some equity in it? That's what I did. You, do you want the like shiny new house that like is super overpriced and everybody's going to pay top dollar for like, or do you want to get a little sweat equity and build that over time so that when you go to sell for your new house, you have some money to like put forward mm-hmm. and you're not topping off your values. So I, I try to sit down with them and give them like a full, like a synopsis of like, what's the market look like? I want to pause you for a second. I'm sorry. So you mentioned equity. Yeah. I understand equity. Right. But I imagine if you're sitting down with a first-time home buyer, they might not understand no. what that even means. So help so, us understand what that yeah, means. Yeah, equity is something that you you either gain over time or instantly, really depending on the deal that you get. But it's the amount of money that you have in your house to pull out um, when you sell it uh, to put into another house or an investment. So if you owe, um, if you bought a house for $100,000 and tomorrow it decides it's worth $130,000 and you get, you get 30,000 plus whatever you put down on it, that's your equity. So that's, you know, your basically home value to you. Mm-hmm. Your home value could be different, you know, it's obviously different, but um, that's the value to you that you will take away from the closing table is that, is that amount of money minus all your closing costs and things like that. And I imagine most first time home buyers and maybe even some, I mean, they don't under, do you find that a lot of them don't understand that and you're explaining that to them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think people, I don't like try to overwhelm them with things because Mm -hmm. I think it's a very overwhelming process right now. I'm actually, I actually really got out of like last year, my price point went up quite a bit. It's like my, it was my seventh year in the business. And so I was working more listings. I wasn't working with very many first time home buyers. I think I maybe had like one or two, but this year I'm working with my cousins to start the year off. And they're in that really tough price point of $250,000 in Oakland County. That is tough right now. It's almost impossible Yeah, because the areas that allow for houses to be that price, the taxes are super high, like Oak Park and Hazel Park. That's where I just sold my house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're, we, you know, it's, it's, you got to educate them on the taxes and the insurance. And, you know, some of those areas don't have great insurance rates either. It's not just the cost of the house itself. There are other things, taxes that mm-hmm. you have to pay for. And the taxes are X amount of dollars a year. Things that if you've never bought a house before, you, you yeah. would have no way to know that. You no. don't know what you don't know. No, I bought my first house and my mom didn't talk to me about taxes. And, you know, the next year it was like, I don't even know if I could afford it. Yeah, you you like open up that. I think that happened to you. I think we talked about this. No, did you have like a really high tax? Because you live in Oak Park, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that happening to me in Oak Park. What I do remember happening to me in Oak Park, though, are um, sidewalks. And here's another thing about home ownership that people don't know until it happens to you. Um, living in Oak Park, 
And this was right before I sold. And I got something in the mail that said, the city is going to come through and fix the sidewalks. There were just some funky things happening in the cracks and are going to fix this. But it's going to be on your dime, oh, homeowner. Geez. And so that's something, that's an, that's an expense. And it was like, it was like a couple thousand dollars that they wanted yeah. from me. Homeownership is beautiful, but it's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bitch. It, there's a lot. It's, it's unforeseen things. You know, like it, it hosts all your favorite things as well. Like you get to decorate it how you want. You get to make modifications. You get to like host parties and bring home babies and get engaged in houses. And like it's. I it's, got married at mine. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. But it's a bitch, you know, like my roof started leaking a couple weeks ago and I'm just like, and then I, I have this random house in Detroit where I own a t- tennis court on it and I had to get it redone this year because it had these monstrous cracks. And I was like, all right, we'll get it done. It was so expensive. It was definitely not something I was budgeting. And um, the cracks came back after like a month. And I was like... <gasps> Are they going to fix that? It's just... It's literally like the cord is from 1960s. So like the whole thing has to be demolished. <gasps> no! Yeah. And that wasn't something that my inspector knew. He's not like a tennis court guru. Like they only know so much. Sure. Right? Yeah. So like these are unforeseen things that like you have to prepare for. Like hopefully you don't buy a tennis court house. Because that's like... Well, I'm not going to now. Don't ever. <laughs> don't. Go to a country club. It'll be worth it. People play. listening, don't yeah, buy a don't house with a tennis court. <laughs> no matter how pretty the rest of it is. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, overall, I think, you know, it's worth it. It's scary. But it's normally people's favorite and most important purchase that they make. And it really sets you up in a lot of ways. I mean, our parents probably are banking on all their houses being paid off to give us money when they, you know, pass away or, you know, move on. Um, and, and those are, those, it's solid. I mean, it's typically a solid instrument that you can always know that your future is going to be probably in a good place if you hold on to it long enough. Yeah. Can you educate us a little bit on things that new home buyers may have at their disposal to help them? Oh yeah. There's like grants, there's, you know, there's ways that you can tap into the, to the state for, um, you know, like basically 0% interest you just pay. It's a lien on the house. When you sell it, you pay it back, but you don't pay any interest on it. But it allows you to get your down payment up to like some areas, 12500 6500 in it's most areas. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get those offers accepted always, but um, there are like, you know, a lot of, everybody's trying to get creative with their lending right now. So there's a lot of things for that, that you could probably tap into in terms of like getting some financing for first time home buyers. Um, and then, you know, as far as like, the home goes um I don't know there's you just need to get yourself a really good agent that knows how to work your type of buying situation that like knows where to go for financing and knows where you're going to get like a little bit of a leg up sometimes even your bank will give you if you've banked with them for a while you get a little bit more access to something there or they'll give you a better rate so I don't know there's there's um home buyer classes I'd like to host one I just haven't gotten myself there yet but like First time home buyer classes. We're gonna do like a meet the realtor event come up soon, mm-hmm. like a ma- like a matchmaking kind of meet the realtor event. That's um, super cute. Yeah, so you can like meet your realtor before you actually sign up for working with them, and you know Love there'll that. be a lender there. There'll be title. You know, people just like the, all the resources available to you to like kind of find out more, and make it less of like a class and more like like here's your realtor and then they're gonna teach you the process and like if you like them then great like that's a line. That's great change over time so like what do you and the people that you work with do to kind of keep yourselves up to date with the market and your knowledge yeah well I I joined at properties my brokerage uh, about two years ago and they do a weekly call um touching on something important in the in the market and then we kind of cover a bunch of stuff so we're always like masterminding with each other of like what's going on keeping in touch with my lenders, knowing what's going on. I mean, like the lending is like probably the biggest piece because if rates stay high, we need to come up with some way for people to like want to still buy a house, you know? So staying in touch with them, like understanding what that market looks like. And then, you know, just there's so much knowledge. You join a board, which is like kind of like your way of being a realtor, which Hmm. people like to say realtor, but it's realtor. And that makes, gives you like your R, like emblem on your logo. Um, And the board has 
tons of classes that you can access and you can become a master of buyers and they have all these designations that you can take. So really the education, it never has to end. You do continuing as education like six hours a year, but like really if you're not doing something every week or every day to like further yourself along, I mean, the just world is your oyster when it comes to like anything real estate. Everybody's interested in real estate. So you really do need to keep your pulse on it because people come up to you at every party. How's the market? What's going on? What about my house? How much is it worth? You know? And so you really got to keep yourself like relevant mm -hmm. and there, there, but there's so much information online. You join, you know, groups that kind of further you along. And then if you're with a good brokerage, you'll get a ton of knowledge at the right brokerage. They won't like leave you hanging. I'm trying to figure out how I want to ask this question. How has your industry changed in the years that you've been in it? Um, are there um, just a million more real estate agents to compete against today than there was, you know, seven years ago? Or There is a lot of agents. Yeah. There's been, uh, since COVID, probably an influx of ah, COVID. agents. That's increased. what did it, huh? Yeah. But that also was a really hard time for people to get going. Um, I mean, for, for, for the most part, like it's, it's always going to be a competitive industry. I mean, you just, you don't need an education you get a 40, a 40 hour education and you get your license. That's insane. I don't know anywhere that you can make the amount of money that you do in real estate that you could do that. So it's going to be competitive always, but there's so many bad agents out there. So many. So if you could just answer your phone, be diligent, present yourself properly, do your homework, like you're going to stand out against 50% of them because a lot of them are old too and don't want to accommodate to like what's new, the social media, the marketing yeah. and, you know, being relevant with technology and like making things like accessible to their clients. So I think there's, there's always a place for you if you're willing to put the work in, mm -hmm. um, but there is a ton of agents and you're just going to have to be okay with it being super competitive and just know that you're, what you provide is valuable and just go with that. Yeah. Because I think, you know, anybody can, we kind of fake it till you make it in our industry all the time. I love that phrase because it's so it's accurate. It's so true. Um, you could do a lot of different things to target different sectors of this, you know, business in different ways. Like some people like to go after, you know, seniors that are ready to sell their house and go move on to something else. And then they set them up with that. So there's just a lot of different ways that you could go about the business, which is really good. So if one's not working for you, I would say try to to work your way into another mm -hmm. and just stick with it. Give it 18 months. And what I noticed about my success, you do the activities and the work and you attend the networking and you attend this and you make the calls and you touch base with people. And sometimes it's not going to be that like I met Alex today and she's going to buy a house for me tomorrow. And sometimes it's Alex's aunt who has a friend that Alex talked nicely about at her party. And maybe 10 months down the road, she just happens to call me. So it's like this, it's like this karmic thing that like, if you work hard, the things and the opportunities will come to you. It doesn't always come from that place that you think it's going to come from, but it's going to come to you because you did the work mm -hmm. somewhere. It's like, it's like debted to you. So just keep like doing something every day that puts you closer to your goals and the business will come. Well, it sounds like if you are any level of competitive, this might be yes. a pretty good yes. path to take. <laughs> yes. You got to be competitive. But also, some people aren't getting in it to sell a, a bajillion houses, you know? And that's something I've noticed that, like, we have really, really diligent, good agents that are, like, closing, you know, 10 to 20 deals a year. They like it. They enjoy it. They're super passionate about it. But it's not about just, like, you know, tons of clients. Mm -hmm. Like, they work better with just a small amount of clients They'll take their time with you. It's like, it's really just hit or miss. So like competitiveness, yes. I, I recognize that like I've hit the big numbers that I had goals for and sometimes I drive myself crazy doing that. So like just, you know, just do it for the right reasons. Do it because you want to help people. You want to get, you want to have a, a career that you really like and that, you know, it's going to hopefully provide you, you know, the lifestyle that you want and you feel valuable at the end of the day. It's like that one business that you're like, well, there's lots of business like this, but I definitely feel like after all my jobs, this is the one business where I like at the end of the day, I'm like, did I impact somebody's life like tremendous amount? Did I get them that house? Did yeah. they did they just bring home their baby in that house? Did they invite me to their housewarming party? Like those are value valuable things to me as a person that I know translate to my clients that I feel good about at the end of the day. And I get to bring home a check from it. It's mm -hmm. like it's a win-win. Well, two more questions. And speaking of your check. Do you, because you've been doing this for seven years now? Seven years. Seven eight years. years in April. Eight years. So we'll yeah. just round up and call it eight. So 
eight years. We know that your first year you had just like super crazy success, maybe, you know, in regards to the money that you brought in. Right. Um, so how did that kind of progress to where you are now financially? Hey guys, it's me. Just wanted to chime in real quick and let you know that I am not going to share with you how much Caitlin is currently making, but I am going to share with you my reaction to when she told me that privately. Holy shit, girl. Good for you. Yeah, but you know, and I've had two kids in the process, so like I'll give myself a little pat on the back, but building out a team that can sell for me when I'm not available is probably the biggest ticket to that. Well, there's a lot of work that you personally had to do to get yourself to a point where you could do that. Yeah. It's putting in the work, putting in the time. I'm really good at delegating. I'm not That's personally, a skill. Um, like, I mean, if my like aunt comes to me, she's working with me. But if like a friend's friend that like is in an area that I don't really service, like they're going to somebody on the team that's maybe more aligned with them and it works great. Well, because it probably is better for them too. It's better for everybody. Better for the customer. Yeah. I just realized I'm not like, a, I'm, a, I'm not a unicorn. Like somebody can sell you a house, right? Mm-hmm. You're coming to me knowing that I have a reputation and that I have trusted my people on my team to do a great job. Sometimes they do a better job than me. So like if I know that somebody's going to like, align personality wise location wise better with somebody else like I have no problem saying this is your person yeah and I think that's helped me a tremendous amount and it's it's honestly allowed me to increase my income because of it because they're working for me yeah you know I mean people make a lot more money in this business Uh, I'm sure it's insane there's a lot I mean I have lots of colleagues that you know they in great years made over a million dollars locally which is insane Yeah. yeah so I mean you just work hard and get the referral business and you do right by people and like it's you know it's it's a nice little place to play in yeah yeah it's amazing so my final question for you caitlin Mm -hmm. do you think real estate is for you for the rest of your life or do you have an idea of something else you want to be when you grow up i don't think i'll ever not do real estate i think i'll have other things that i dabble in um because i'm an entrepreneur but Mm -hmm. i don't think i'll ever not be a realtor love that yeah I, i love it I love it. And it's, that's like the beauty of it is you can pull back and lean into it as you need to. And that, you know, obviously allows you flexibility to dabble in other things. I just think it's so funny that, um, you ended up becoming the thing and you ended up loving the thing that you thought you never wanted to be. Oh, totally. Well, so nice to be on this. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. And it was so good to see your beautiful face. So good to see your face. I want to maybe potentially to some degree be involved in this networking thing. Now that I have customers out in the Ferndale area, um, I have to be out that way anyway. You totally should. Yeah. I would love that. Well, you keep me informed. I will. You're always welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I truly hope some of this has been helpful to at least one person out there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram when I grow up underscore podcast experience. See you next time.